2: 18 plus.
3: talk radio after dark wants to give a big shout out to all the truckers that listen to our show these are uncertain times pandemics breaking out a world on the brink of war economic collapses natural disasters and crime around every corner That's why six-time naked and afraid legend, extreme survivalist, adventurer, and Army combat vet E.J. Snyder, the number one-ranked survivalist in the world, wants you to be ready and has everything you need at www.ejsnyder.com. All of your needs to be ready for the bad days ahead. From survival training, gear, survival food, videos, and more... That's right. Subscribe with your email at www.ejsnyder.com for blogs, newsletters, and updates so that you are prepared and ready for whatever comes your way. EJ Snyder always has your back. Survive on ejsnyder.com. Mystic, Inc. Publishing is an independent publisher of award-winning books featuring spiritual, shamanic, consciousness-expanding works of a visionary, metaphysical, and transcendent nature, including dramatic works of fantastic fiction in the paranormal genres of magical realism horror supernatural thrillers and science fiction including short stories spiritual memoirs historical fiction and many other non-fiction titles mystic inc's titles are available in ebook print and audio formats and can be found at amazon.com with special deals available on the mystic inc website at Publishing.com. that's mys I -I N K publishing.com. Are you an independent minded thinker who likes to weigh the evidence pro and con to make up your own mind? If so, then the book alien in the mirror by Randall Fitzgerald is the right book for you. Alien in the mirror brings refreshing clarity and sanity to topics long shrouded in smoke and mirror confusion. With a foreword by the legendary scientist Jacques Vallée, it is the most authoritative and complete guide yet published to all of the theories and evidence about the UFO phenomenon, ancient astronauts and abductees from both believers and skeptics. Get your copy and read Alien in the Mirror, by Randall Fitzgerald at Amazon.com or by visiting www.alieninthemirror.com
1: I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet I ask you, is not an alien force already among us night dreams brings on the night
3: worldwide did you know you can find us on your favorite app and now you can watch us live on youtube make sure you subscribe to our channel and give
4: us a thumbs up and now here's gary and here i am boy it's already the 18th of may gee and well here down at the compound it has been windy it started out with showers it's cold and it feels like well we're in fall again i don't know earth changes well in the news they're saying astronauts that go up and they're at the space station for about a year their chemistry and their brain changes that and it's a lifetime change and again, it, it's telling at least me and the scientists that maybe space travel, long term, will do major damage to humans. James, what's your uh, take on that one?
1: I completely agree. Matter of fact, we've touched on this before. Uh, your body comes back. Remember the experiment with the two twins? The one they were. Like you just said, the DNA would change, and it's permanent, too. So we're just not made to go in space, Gary. So, yeah, they talk about these missions
4: to Mars. I don't I don't see how we can do it. Uh, that is really scary. Also in the news, you know, Stonehenge, they have now found literally hundreds of ancient pits all around it. Now, they're trying to figure out what these pits are for and what they were for very interesting well tonight uh before we bring on our uh guests and talking about uh dogmen with jack quinn i have thomas who is our monday host who is also the director by the way of ohio's move
5: on how are you doing i'm doing great tonight gary well are you staying out of trouble you know i try uh it's a little chilly here so i've been staying inside but guess what i'm working on gary put a new batter in my bike today so i'm getting ready to get it out Well, that is good also be
4: careful because this is like the worst time of the year to start riding because people aren't used to seeing people riding motorcycles so you have to pay a lot more attention otherwise you could be one of those statistics you know i'm telling you i'm very disappointed and so many people you know, on the show, you know, calling in through, you know, the years, they keep saying, Oh, we're going to have major disclosure. A lot of uh, uh guests we've had on the show, you know, they talked about, like Steve Bassett, Oh, gee, disclosure is going to happen in November. And then it doesn't happen. Well, it's going to happen, you know, in January, and then in March. And then, you know, and not just him, a whole bunch of people, they kept thinking, in their mind that the government's gonna come out and tell us the truth. Not! They're never gonna tell us the truth. Think about it. If the government came out and told us the truth about UAPs or UFOs, then people were gonna wanna know the truth. What happened in Vietnam? What happened in the Middle East both times? What is going on in the Ukraine? What is going on with our money? What is going on with actually the virus, the truth? You know, it's scary. And I don't know what you noticed, Thomas, but everything I watched and read, I'll be honest with you, it was like a bad
5: movie. Yeah, I sat back and I, I watched the entire hearing, and it wasn't anything other than, I, I, I mean, I expected exactly what they did. They came out, they basically gave us nothing. They said, well, you know, we've got what, 400 new cases that came in from uh, military personnel since the last time that we basically talked about this. Great. Okay, show us something. What they showed us, Gary, on these videos was the same videos that's been out there for some time. And I even had to laugh because it's pretty amateurish because one of the videos they're showing, watch and we'll, you'll see this object coming by. And it goes by, in like, one second. There's like, maybe three frames of the video that had the object. And they're playing for, like, ten minutes trying to single out one of the frames. I'm like, they weren't even prepared for this, really. I mean, just like they threw some things together. Let's go out and let's talk about this a little bit. Let's dance a little bit. Let's let them ask their questions. <laughs> and, you know, nothing got accomplished, really. You had a few congressmen out there making their statements, trying to make their points. But to me, a lot of it's just grandstanding for a little bit, you know, trying to get some attention. Well, what I heard really
4: is a disgrace to the American public. I mean, why bother putting this on and and, and and divulging what they did, which is really nothing. You know, the funniest part of all this, okay, if you believe that, 1947 Roswell happened what they're saying or Bob Lazar what he claims right what they have said that they have no wreckage from anything off world none nada they have no proof that these UAPs which you know they they took the name UFOs away because they wanted to create a new name for UFOs as UAP so they can get people brainwashed away from flying saucers to, well, just unidentified objects, you know. It's a bunch
5: of you-know-what. It is. It's a bunch of bull. Uh, I was hoping at least they would drop maybe a few new sightings that came in, a few new reports that came in from the military, saying, (laughs) okay, this is some stuff that's come up since we talked last about this, but absolutely nothing. Uh, and when you're looking over trying to find some good points that they made, I couldn't find anything. But what I was disappointed at is when they start throwing out words like air trash and (laughs) stuff, it seems like they're automatically trying to say, okay um, a lot of this stuff is all, you know, explainable pretty much and then they have their one little catch-all for everything that's the other column that basically doesn't say that they're extraterrestrial, but you know, anything that they can't explain goes in there.
4: Yeah, but what they're trying, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but what I gathered, they're trying to basically imply what we're seeing is maybe from some other government, some other country.
5: That's what they were implying. Yeah, and, and some of the stuff that is being reported, like the drone-like activity that may be occurring around some of the military operation areas may be related to that. But the other thing is, if you think about it, where is the best place to hide a tree? In a forest. So you could have the things like the Tic Tac event that David Fravor had. I mean, to me, that's a great case. You could have that and then all of a sudden you throw all these drones around it to try to distract from that event that Fravor had.
4: Well, the way they're doing is is giving us more information that is actually turning out to be disinformation to keep the people all the more confused. They only did this because so many people lobbied their lobbyists. The lobbyist then naturally, you know, lobbies the Congress and the government. And you have a big bunch of people that want to know. So to uh, please us, they put on these these hearings these talks and you people don't realize this isn't the first time this has happened it isn't the second time this has been ongoing since 1947 and before yeah
5: and there's cases going back in the 30s uh, of potential crashes going back to the turn of the century uh crashes back then that well, were reported yeah but I'm talking where Congress
4: actually had teams to investigate this has gone back back to the late or early forties, so I mean you, come on this is this is scary, so it is you know again, there's some people out there they're so happy. we finally got proof. what did you get any proof? please tell me. Tell me one word that they said these are off world and we are being visited by ETs. Are we that naive to think with all these different galaxies and solar systems and planets that we're the only life? Are we, the- we, are we putting that much value on humanity that we're the only people in the freaking campground?
5: And at times they still keep throwing out the distance to those other star systems. And they keep thinking, like the 1950s B-movies, Gary, come on, who says they have to use rockets? They may have some means of travel that we can't even fathom the concept of right now. Come
4: on. We're, you know, the Chinese invented, uh, you know, the sky rocket, you know, uh, the thing we, like, You know, 4th of July, like we put up in the sky. They're the ones that invented it. And you think about it. Has our technology really advanced that far from when the Chinese invented it?
5: No, not really at all. It's just more technical, more improved. But you're still basing on propulsion from, like, basically a rocket motor. Yeah. And, uh,
4: and, uh, again... Yeah, again, we're just not there. We're not a level one society, as Michio Kaku says. We're not there yet. And until we get there, you know, people in the 30s, could you imagine if they saw a 747 in the 30s? How freaked out they would
5: have been? Oh, completely. Completely freaked out. I mean, think about taking like a F-18 fighter and buzzing a field that has biplanes on what would they think but
4: again the scientists and and right down to the military they couldn't comprehend that they would see that and it was beyond their capability to digest it in their brain and that's where we are right now you know we're talking about going to mars okay i that is suicidal. I don't even think the people would survive to Mars because you have to go for that radiation belt a- again, there's a proven fact that people being up in the you know space lab for a year are coming back with heart problems. They're now finding like I said, brain damage where it's the brain is uh creating a different type of liquid and changing the brain, and doing damage to the brain, we're not there. We have to figure out all these little problems before we get our little ass in in that seat and go to Mars.
5: Oh, you're right. We've got a lot to figure out. And I I definitely wouldn't be one of the first ones stepping up to take that trip. Well, even if I was 30 years
4: old again, you couldn't pay me to do it. Seriously. No. I mean, that. what I'm trying to say is, You know, we deserve the truth. But again, you know, like if when you're a little kid and you steal a quarter out of your mom's purse and your mom goes, hey, I went to the store today and I was 25 cents short to buy the groceries. Do you know where it went? No, I didn't know where it went. I know nothing about it. I mean, we're in the same way with the government. They have lied to us repeatedly and they're not going to come they're not going to tell us the truth they if again if they start telling us the truth about ufo's and et's and whatever okay then people are going to demand the truth on everything else and then the society is going to break down now remember on a phone call we had yesterday i told you the person who was in charge of coming up with technology For the Space Force, he resigned because he said that one, our technology is too far behind for what they want, but then they don't have the budget to do what they want. And the Pentagon basically has their head up there, you know what, and doesn't, uh, well, doesn't uh, fall through.
5: So he resigned. Yeah, that I didn't hear until you told me yesterday. That's a surprise. But it tells you when somebody's in that position for such a short time, there's serious issues. Otherwise, why would you bail that quick?
4: Well, look what happened to the other command. Well, he's not the commander. He was the one that was in charge of technology for the Space Force. They resigned. But what happened a year ago? The person they put in charge of the Space Force, he, uh, Space Force went on CNN said something he shouldn't have said and he was fired
5: you can look well, that you can look that one up i'll look that one up too i wasn't following the space force that close but now you've got me going after that one i've got i've got to look those up
4: so it comes down to you know maybe steve basket can keep telling people disclosure the real truth is going to come out in six months You know, I, I, you know, I've been hearing that for so many years. I love Steve Bassett, what he he's trying to do, but you know, people get fixated on on something to the point where maybe they don't see clearly now. Like, man, that song, I can see clearly now. You know, I remember that one. Yeah, well, that's the whole problem. And then you got all these authors that keep cranking out this garbage
5: and ufology. That, you know, it, people are just making shit up. That's that's one of the problems is separating, you know, the the fact from the fiction. It's bad enough out there already. And the same goes for the different media sites. I mean, people posting stuff on YouTube and things like that. There's different ones that intentionally put phony stuff out there, made up stuff, just to try to get videos going viral. And it, it doesn't help the field at all. Well, you have to imagine, too, I've been doing this going on
4: 48 years. And how many people I've interviewed in those 48 years about UFOs, abductions, and stuff like that. And there's been a bunch of them. And, you know, who do I believe anymore? I take this as nothing more than entertainment. Well, Thomas, our time is up here. Who is your guest next Monday on your show?
5: Well, I have got Michael Horn coming in Monday, and it's going to be a great show. Uh, Michael Horn, for those that don't know, uh, is a big research on the contactee, Billy Meyer. So we're going to have a great show that night.
4: Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. Okay, sir. Well, you have a good one. And thank you for coming on. And, you know, I really value your thoughts because you're the director of On in Ohio. And I just wanted to make sure other people got the same take from the.
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Congress. Uh, yesterday, what was being said, it was a bunch of you-know-what.
5: Well, the way I can sum it up, Gary... That's about an hour and a half to two hours I'd like to have back. I want it back. I tell you what, I'd rather watch the Rockford Files. Okay,
4: my friend, you take care. You too. Okay. We'll be right back with our guests. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio, so stay tuned. Meet
3: the Totally Ninja Raccoons. Three raccoons who become ninjas because they already have the masks. The Totally Ninja Raccoons books are short adventures with quick chapters, specially structured to encourage reluctant readers. Each book has the Totally Ninja Raccoons encountering a cryptid. The monsters are presented in a fun, not-so-scary way. (laughs) I said not so scary. Uh, Readers are encouraged to do their own research and make up their own minds about the possible existence of Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, aliens, and more. The Totally Ninja Raccoons are available on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. You can buy autographed copies direct from the author at kevincoolidge.org. That's kevincoolidge.org for the Totally Ninja Raccoons.
6: Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio.
4: And you are, and it's now 722 down at the compound that specific time. Well, what can you tell us about our guest tonight? Well, our guest
1: tonight is Jack Quinn. And Jack is a native of Ohio, and he enjoys the woods to hunt and fish. Now, Jack was a skeptic on Bigfoot and Dogman and Old Things Cryptid until he and his brother and a friend had many encounters
4: with both of them. Interesting. Well, Jack, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Gary. Thank you. You've been staying out of trouble? No. No. (laughs) Well yeah. What is your gas prices and whereabouts are you located?
7: I'm in southeast Ohio and we're hovering about four ten, four twenty, somewhere around in there at the moment per gallon. It's
4: crazy. I you know today I had to make a run to go pay a credit card bill and I had to go about ten miles. And I figured, I need gas. Costco was our, you know, great big, you know, discount place. And they have the lowest price gas. Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll get a, you know, I'll just fill up where I was going. It was almost $5 and some odd change a gallon. And it freaked me out. I actually, it was $6 and something a gallon where I went. And then Costco was the, the $5 and something. And I tell you, it is really scary. I mean, with the amount of income people have, the you know the prices of groceries going up, Jack, and all this stuff, it's, it's scary. How do they expect us to survive?
7: I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know how we're going to survive. I mean, something's got to give. This is, um, you know, I my little car probably weighs fifty pounds. As <laughs> exaggeration, but I have a little Chevy, and it takes the 60 70 bucks to fill it up and the gas tank isn't that big
4: well you so, know get here three months ago you know we got a couple cars but you know we have one old beater a 2008 zion xb 10 gallon gas tank i could fill it up 25 30 bucks 60 some dollars today
7: yeah that's the way with my little avio it, it's ridiculous i'm you know i know what the problem is we all know what the problem is but how we fix it you know how can we fix it
4: i don't know we can't afford the government to keep giving out money like it's doing and and sending it off places i know why they feel they have to do it but i tell you we're the ones who are paying for all this stuff and it is affecting our lifestyle. How about the people that work for you know minimum wage or not much more of it? There's going to be a lot of young people, a lot of young people knocking on their parents' door saying, "Hey, I can't afford my apartment anymore. Can I move back home?"
7: Right, and I, and I think that's you know you hit the nail on the head with the young people. That's where it's got to start. That's where change has got to start. It's we we have to educate the young folks. About what's going on and how to fix what's going on, and, and it's real simple. I mean, you know, lower the taxes, do do away with the, all the regulations on small business, get everybody you know mom and pop shops back going again. That's all it takes.
4: Well, they're you and know everything. they're greedy. The counties, for example, I got my property was you know repressed or re-appraised, uh the value, and. It went up a couple hundred thousand dollars from last year. And, you know, what that means to me is, one, well, good gee, well, because of inflation, my house went up in value, but I'm not getting any more money. I'm getting actually less for my money, but my taxes are going to go up a couple thousand dollars more a year because they put a higher value on my property.
7: It's a no-win situation. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, don't dare paint your house or paint your shutters, anything like that, then the taxes go up even more. Um, I think I'm to the point of getting an old junk car and putting it on blocks and throwing some dirty diapers around the front of it, and maybe I can keep the taxes down. I don't know.
4: It's, it's really, really scary. Now, we're going to take the break for the bottom of the hour, and we come on. I want to know what got you into the paranormal. What got you into, originally, Bigfoot? What... What happened where you got interested in that? And then Dogman. So we'll be back with Jack Quinn right after this break. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website. Please do at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. We're going to be right back. So stay tuned.
3: Meet the Totally Ninja Raccoons! Three raccoons who become ninjas because they already have the masks. The Totally Ninja Raccoons books are short adventures with quick chapters specially structured to encourage reluctant readers. Each book has the Totally Ninja Raccoons encountering a cryptid. The monsters are presented in a fun, not so scary way. <laughs> I said not so scary. Uh, Readers are encouraged to do their own research and make up their own minds about the possible existence of Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, aliens, and more. The Totally Ninja Raccoons are available on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. You can buy autographed copies direct from the author at KevinCoolidge.org. That's KevinCoolidge.org for the Totally Ninja Raccoons wounds. Top fossil restorers. He's Joe Taylor, and his unique expertise has been used on many world class fossils, including the world's largest molds of fossils still in the ground, such as the three complete mammoth skeletons at the Waco Sudden Death Mammoth Site in Waco, Texas. Forty years working in every area of fossils has opened the door to the strange mystery of giant men and the biblical Nephilim, which has opened the door to Bigfoot, UFOs, Mothman, and much more. Joe Taylor's book, Giants Against Evolution, chronicles all of these. You can order Joe's books at www.mtblanco.com or call 806-675-7777. That's 806-675-7777. Joe Taylor's incredible museum is currently adding new and amazing displays. Find out more at www.mtblanco.com. Are you into the paranormal? Then you have found the right place. Night Dreams covers the topics you want to hear. And Gary always has a great guest to take you for a real ride in talk radio. So buckle up and let's go for that ride with Gary.
4: And we are back. Well, again, you know, I got to ask you a question.
5: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: Bigfoot. Well, it's all started when when I was a kid. Our uncle used to take us to the movies where we saw the legend of Bigfoot, the legend of Boggy Creek, that sort of thing, Um, which when I was a little kid, I was scared to death. But as I got older I thought, now I started hunting and fishing and like, no, there's nothing out here. <laughs> we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And then my little brother, rest his Soul, my little brother Patrick told me one time he was down at Salt Fork, which is the eastern part of Ohio. Um over toward James area, I believe. Anyway, um he was him and another friend were out ginseng hunting way back in the woods and he had they had an encounter with the bigfoot and it took him 10 years to tell me this because he thought I was going to laugh at him which I didn't because I valued my little brother's word so I started checking into it and the more the more I got into it the more I realized there was more evidence saying that there was bigfoot than there wasn't you know, the evidence was way stronger on the positive side. So as it would stand, a couple of other friends who I'd met later on had told me about their encounters seeing Bigfoot.
4: Now, let's backtrack. Here, Your little brother who saw the Bigfoot, you know, that's a lot to hold back because, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, I saw Bigfoot up in the Canadian Rockies and it still tortures me. It does. I have nightmares every so often about my encounter. How did it affect one? How did it affect your younger brother? And did he ever describe anything of the encounter to you?
7: No, he just said that he just saw it. It was, you know, going from tree to tree as they were leaving the woods. He said he never felt um, scared. He was a little bit intimidated, but he wasn't scared for his life or anything. They just, you know, slowly left the woods. And it, you know, trailed him for a while, and then that was it. He never really told me what it looked like or anything like that. He was a little bit reluctant to talk about it. And I'm I'm sure it affected him.
4: Oh, yeah. I know it affected me. It took me many years, many years to come out. And I came out with it because I've heard so many people through the years telling me, you know, Bigfoot, they telecommute they give you you know they send you orbs they 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 talk to you from the the back of your neck and and i'm i'm going these people have never seen a bigfoot in their life the, the, you know the the stuff they were saying is like wow what what book did you read that out of but i mean what your your brother went through just think about the trauma because it's something we never thought could ever exist which does exist
7: Oh yeah, we're, we're told as youngsters that monsters don't exist. There's nothing under the bed, all that jazz. You know, <clears throat> don't be afraid of the dark. Well, I gotta ask a
4: question: Is there what? monsters under the bed? I know when I go to bed at night, there's one next. No, it's... we won't even get there.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have one next to me every night. But I don't think there's monsters under the bed, but I'm sure they're in the backyard once in a while.
4: I got to ask Does you any- this question. If you're sitting there watching TV at night and you turn your TV off and you got your cell phone and you're looking at something on your cell phone. And if you happen to drop your cell phone and it goes underneath your bed, are you going to reach under there in the dark to get your cell phone? Or are you going to turn the light on?
7: Um, I reach under in the dark. Actually, I'm usually laying in bed with the headphones on, so I just kind of ease the headphones real gently, pull it out, and lift it up to the side of the bed so I don't have to reach under the bed.
4: Okay. I'm still terrified of reaching under the bed in the dark. Figured that one out. I'm
7: 70 years old. I'm not bright. <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, when I saw the dog man for the first time, and ever since, it has really affected me. I mean, the Bigfoot thing affected me for a little while. I, um, you know, as a friend of mine who I played music with for many years, we had lost touch. He's a drummer. We lost touch for a while. And then he um, just, lo and behold, our wives worked together at a nursing home. So we got in touch again and started talking about the Bigfoot thing. And he took me to a place close by here in Nature Preserve close to the house here where he had saw Bigfoot when he was younger. And we went in there and we found uh, rock structures where they, you know, pile the rocks up. We found footprints, tree breaks. Um, we found the big X's that they make. And that convinced me that these things are real because the, just the, the footprints alone, convinced me, but then the rocks, the way they had built these little rock structures way up high on these ledges of these cliffs, and there's no way a person's going to get up there. And, you know, and rappelling down would be, to to stack rocks, who would do that? You know, and that convinced me that the Bigfoots were real. So, I was kind of, you know, a little bit nervous about that for a while. And then, down he lives in this campground that's not you know, it's down in the Hawking Hills. That's about all I can say about that, where it is, but in this particular campground, it was in the winter I remember vividly it was winter time, ten below zero as a matter of fact. We heard the grass man, the Bigfoot, howl. And we heard it twice, so we thought, oh, okay, this is great, they're right here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now now this guy's an ex-Army ranger. He's, you know, adrenaline junkie to the max for sure. So we went, you know, we'd go out and investigate at night. And, and in the wintertime at that campground, there's hardly anybody. there. There's maybe like four or five people in the whole campground. And there's eight miles of roads in this campground. So. We was, you know, heard that and thought, and then we was also hearing this kind of, I I can't, it's hard to describe, it's almost like a siren, or a like, sometimes you'll hear a jet do a kind of a whistle, like a a siren, I don't know if it's the afterburners coming off or whatever it is, but we were hearing that, we later found out that that was a dogman, but we didn't know at the time, so he puts out a camera just to get the audio and he points it at the lot next door at another camper. Well, lo and behold, he brings me this tape up and shows me this video and there comes this big shadow on this camper. He said, now watch this. And I'm thinking, all right, we got the grass man. He got the grass man on tape. Then we saw a snout and ears and then we saw the shadow of it walking over to the corner of his cabin because he had the camera set on his deck and it was pointing back toward the, off to the side of his cabin toward the back. So you can see the side of his you know the corner of the cabin where the steps go up to his door and this thing walks over and it's on gravel and you don't hear a noise from it until it leans up against the siding and then it looks around at the camera. and i told him i said okay i'm never coming back down there again that's it i'm done and we kept backing this tape up and watching it backing up and watching it and you know since then we've kind of had a falling out which i'll get to that here a little bit but um you know he's kind of hoarding the video
4: But, you know, you people don't realize that have never been there and and encountered anything like this, that they really exist. You know, what you have is a lot of people who go out and claim, you know, they're hunting Bigfoot, but they've never seen one. They've never, you know, occasionally maybe some rocks thrown at them. But I, I tell you, when you actually have one chase you for about two miles back through the woods while you're trying to get back to your car and it's screaming, and making all kinds of noises, and it, it's right behind you. And it could have caught me and my friend, who was a medical doctor. We both were up in the Canadian Rockies. And I tell you, I've never been so scared in my life. And, I'll bet. <laughs> and, and when you see something like that, it makes you, you go back and you wonder, everything you learned when you went to Sunday school, then in church, about you know, how we evolved and, you know, and the religious side. And you see something like this that people don't believe really exists, except for a small percentage of people. It scares the crap out of you.
7: Well, yeah, it does. It traumatizes you. And then you throw on top of the fact that who are you going to tell? Who can you call? Who's going to believe you? Exactly. Yeah. You, you, You get traumatized even more by the ridicule. I mean, I wouldn't talk about it for a long time until I finally said, hell with it. People need to know. If they don't believe me, that's fine. At least I clear my conscience when I tell them what's out there. Because these dog men especially, you know, people, I hear a lot of times that dog men and Bigfoots don't run together, but they share territory for sure. I mean, they don't always get along, but they share territory. And it seems like Nature preserves, campgrounds, and parks are their favorite haunts because they feel safe. You know, people don't hunt, and and nature preserves are not allowed to hunt. Campgrounds are not allowed to hunt. And on, you know, in the parks, normally in a park, you're not allowed to hunt. So that's the perfect place for them. And, you know, these particular dogmen were coming right out. They was right out in the daylight i've seen many of them in the daylight okay now
4: you got my curiosity jack i've seen people who posted up on different you know facebook groups pictures of dogmen i've never seen one i've seen a bigfoot believe me i smelled a bigfoot i i see what they how they run i i know what they sound like and but a dogman you know all i can go by is some of these
0: See terms of conditions, 18
4: plus years I've seen where they basically look like a German Shepherd standing on two feet. What can you describe? What do they look like?
7: Well, the, the one who looked around the corner looked more like a German Shepherd. He had the uh, digigrade back legs, or well, legs, because they have long arms and hands the size of tennis rackets. And the average ones we saw were seven to nine foot. They were um had a man's torso ripped, you know, in the abdomen. They have a mane, but they look more more the most of them look more like a wolf in the face. And they are like spotted kind of collars. Um there's one that's a kind of a reddish brown and white. We just kinda of call him big red. They have white hands, This and I know when I say hands, I mean hands, you know, kind of like raccoon hands with long claws, and then they are they have the digigrade back legs, where, you know, like a dog has, and they kind of walk on their tiptoes, and they normally, those seven to nine footers will leave a print about the size of your hand with five toes. That's how you can tell. They have five toes with claws. They don't have the normal four toes like a wolf or a dog does, because they don't evidently they don't have a dew claw. And uh their, their demeanor seems to be to scare people more than to want to harm people. Now they would jump on the roof of the cabin, they would, you know, throw things at the cabin, jiggle the doorknobs, they've even opened the sliding door while I was down there once. And I looked at my friend. And I said, "Dude, they just opened the door." He goes, "You ought to be laying in bed and hear that." <laughs> no, I'd be out of that place. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, like I said, he 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 was. I told him many times, "How can you stay there?" And he said he was not going to be run off of his property by anything. And you know, with his military training and stuff, he, he he's a badass. But it. But you know, yeah, that don't the way mean it is.
4: Jack. That that's, don't mean nothing. You know, I was in Vietnam, and I was in a lot of firefights and a lot of different strange things. And you know, I thought, you know, going back, I, you know, because I was younger then in the early two thousands, I still thought I was a badass myself. And I'll tell you, when I saw that Bigfoot and it screamed and it ran across the creek at me and my friend, I pissed myself. But, I bet. <laughs> I mean, I literally, I, you know, I just like, wow, I didn't do that since first grade or kindergarten. I mean, I broke my record. I didn't even do that in basic training. I, and I, I, I tell you, I was scared like you wouldn't believe. I I really thought I was going to die.
7: Oh, uh, I, I've been there with, with the dogmen. believe me.
4: And here, here's the point. Have you checked the scene? You know, we've had Christopher George. I know I bring him up a lot, but he is a retired park law enforcement ranger who was in charge of two national you know areas before he retired so i mean he knew a lot of stuff and he said there's a lot of people go missing out in the woods and it's not just where they you know shot themselves like a hunter there's the cases where they go and find the remains of a hunter and the gun the barrel has been wrapped around a tree
7: yeah the strange um, things. I think, uh, you know, I think um, the Bigfoot may be responsible for some of that. I think the dog man may be responsible because I know there's at least one dog man down there that's got to be at least 12 foot tall. I mean, his he left a print beside the tree behind my, my friend's cabin in hard pan the size of a dinner plate. It was 10 inches across and 10 inches tall. And the regular seven and nine footers leave one about the size of your hand. So this was a Goliath. Um, you know, we, we always joke about monster vision because I get down there and I would always get down after dark to the to his cabin there in that campground. And we would set out on his deck. He had a double decker deck and we'd sit on the top deck, and we would watch and listen, and we would see the dog men, and we would hear him run up and down the road. We'd see him between the trees where there would be light. We would see him run across there. We would see him looking around the trees at us. Um, and, and one of his favorite things to do, which I don't know how he ever talked me into this, because I, I don't consider ourselves, you know, we weren't doing research as much as we were doing, just observing and watching these things. And You know, he would always, you know, cook up a midnight snack, and we would grab a bite to eat, and then we would jump on his go kart or uh, golf cart, and we would go out of the park and way up into the woods, way up into the woods, and and in the middle of the night, about one o'clock in the morning to two in the morning, and we would just go up there and see what we could see and hear. I got to ask you a question. You were out in the woods,
4: right? Did you pack any protection with you guys?
7: Um, most of the time we would carry I have a 357 mag that I would carry he has a 45 that he carried. sometimes we'd take it also a double barrel and our bowie knives and um, you know we'd take that double up I'm, I'm sorry not double barrel, but pump 12 gauge pump shotgun sometimes we'd take that with us um, and the crazy thing is believe it or not, we would actually... Watch these old killer Bigfoot and killer werewolf movies before we would go <laughs> up in there. You guys I mean are brave. that's the kind of adrenaline junkie he is? And I got to tell you, there's a few times where I definitely dribbled pee because you would <laughs> see him, you would hear him just a little, hear him running. You would see him between the trees, like I said, even up there. And there was one time in particular we were up there and we heard a noise. Up by the golf cart so we went up there and investigated didn't see anything so we walked back down to where we were And this big tree where we were standing beside had a, a five clawed slash across it about eight feet up and that was pretty unnerving and a lot of times we would hear the growls we would hear um, sticks snap we'd know they'd be around us and, and now and again we would see them You know, their shadow, and and (laughs) we'd have to get out of there.
4: What type of noises besides growls do they make?
7: Basically, just the growls and and the um, pitter patter of their feet on the leaves and the snapping of twigs. That's about it. I mean, up in the woods now, down at the cabin, you would hear them outside the cabin. Every once in a while, you would hear them. uh, You would hear a. a growl, or you would hear a. Uh, they, they make a, almost like a bark, half growl, half bark kind of sound. It, it's hard to describe, but it's pretty unnerving when they're out, right outside the cabin.
4: <laughs> yeah, it would be. Now, have you ever seen these creatures on fours rather than the twos?
7: Um. Yeah. One time, they were surrounding us on this flat. Um. It was before we could get into the woods, there was a, a big flat where it looked like it had been dozed off and, you know, and cleared years ago. And it was still, you know, somewhat dirt. And um, we caught a glimpse of a couple of them on all fours kind of coming toward us, and then they would run away. And then we ran away. <laughs> that was a good move. Yeah, because, you know, when they would get – most of the time they'd keep their distance. But when they start closing in, that's when we knew it was time to go what type of
4: these these dogmen what do they eat you have any idea
7: uh, yeah they eat small rodents they eat rabbits raccoons i've um, even heard tell them of eating bobcats and uh persimmons believe it or not and field corn as a matter of fact i have a buddy who uh I'm kind of in a network. He's kind of a leader of this network, which we, none of the individuals know each other, but we all kind of bounce things back and forth to the, the guy named uh, Rick Sanchez. And he was one telling me about – he investigated one where this older woman saw what she said was a grizzly bear picking field corn, and it stuck it up under its arm and walked away on two legs.
4: <laughs>
7: <laughs> so, Yeah. That's the only thing she could think of that would you know she didn't know about dogmen or anything like that, so has there but been, they do has you like the field corn
4: Has there been any people gone missing in the area? Have you done any research on that?
7: um I haven't personally, but um the guy who owns the cabin down there was talking to a shop a lady a shopkeeper who told him that every once in a while the a car would be sitting out in the parking lot and you know which is the head of a trail going back into the Hawking hills and she said it would sit there for maybe two weeks until a car hauler would come and get it but she never said anything you know any, anybody comes up missing down there they pretty much keep hush hush they don't they don't say anything about it and, and what's what's really intriguing to me is the fact that many a times we would be hearing some kind of an operation going on at that campground in the winter time, in the wee hours, we would hear what sounded like military trucks coming in. We would hear gunshots. We would hear cages rattling. We would hear, um, walkie talkies, you know, as a matter of fact, he had even got some of this on tape, which I don't have access to any of it anymore. But, uh, You know, we would hear this stuff going on, and we even heard, you know, one underneath his deck hiding one night while all this was going on. And it just so happens that behind, if you go through the woods and probably maybe a mile behind this campground, there is a big government complex that they use for training mechanics and then you know, operators for the big machines, the cranes and pans and stuff like that for the state. And you can actually, on the map, we we noticed that there was trails coming in and out of there, going right to the campground. And um, I know uh, another friend of mine who installed satellite television that I used to work with on the same thing, he was back in close to that government thing, and he said that there was many a times they would see uh, blacked-out SUVs dragging trailers up into the woods in the middle of the night, and they would come back without the trailers.
4: Very interesting. It sounds like something is going on. You know, I really think, you know, again, I think um, maybe the government's involved, because Christopher George, you know, has said numerous times he found in the national park system Rangers and not and and other military people, you know, without any insignias, you know, heavily yeah. armed, and he would go up to him and say, "Hey, look, what are you doing here?" And they would say, "Hey, you leave the area." He go, he get, he would get in the argument and saying, "Wait a minute, I'm a law enforcement ranger. I have jurisdiction. You're in a federal, you know, uh, you know, forest." And they say, "If you value your life, you better leave now." I mean, so tells me something is going on, you know, in the woods. I mean, is it Bigfoot? Is it dogman Are they round, uh, rounding them up, uh, disposing of them? I don't know. It's kind of eerie because if you take statistics, Jack, in the national forest, a lot of people are vanishing every year.
7: Oh yeah, where I are mean, they going? I, I listened to uh the David Politis from the Missing Four One One. I mean, he's one of my heroes he's the one that's actually out there investigating this stuff and trying to get an answer you know and the thousands of people come up missing in parks all over the country is unbelievable yeah. every year is it related to dogmen or bigfoot that i don't know i don't that's the that's the million dollar question i mean this particular campground I'm sure you've heard of this. know about the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yes. I think everybody yes, yes. knows about it. Well, this particular camp, campground has all the same stuff going on down there.
4: A lot of strangeness. Okay, Jack, the orbs. Jack, we need to take a break. We'll be back okay. in about, about four minutes, and we're going to find out more. I got some more questions to ask you about Dogmen, so be prepared. We'll be back with Jack here. Stay tuned. You're listening to... Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel if you haven't done it. We'll be right back after this break. Echoes of Eden by Paul Wallace.
3: What secrets of human potential lie hidden in the world's ancestral narratives? How are they connected with God, the Bible, and ET contact? From U.S. Senate briefings to ancient African ceremonies, from strange phenomena in Australia and Iraq to anomalies in Brazil and ancient Greece, the Eden series takes you around the world to discover why governments, military, and intelligence are interested in archaeology and initiation practices, and why you should be too. And what are the implications for you and me? To buy Echoes of Eden. The Scars of Eden and Escaping from Eden go to Amazon, Kindle, Barnes and & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Echoes of Eden is endorsed by George Nouri. Paul has done it again with his Eden series, delving deep into the power of the mind to do incredible things. From Ray McGuinness, Unanswered Questions unanswered questions what the september 11th families asked and the 9 11 commission ignored unanswered questions is a new book by ray mcinnis ray has appeared on night dreams with gary to discuss his new book Unanswered Questions. An absolutely riveting read. Unanswered Questions is a chronicle of the efforts of the September 11th families to force a reluctant Bush administration to investigate the attacks. The questions they asked the 9 11 Commission that they ignored, and why it all still matters. Just like the assassinations of President John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King, the destruction of the World Trade Center is another cover-up unanswered questions by ray mcginnis is now available at local bookstores amazon and barnes and nobles website pick it up today these are uncertain times pandemics breaking out a world on the brink of war economic collapses natural disasters and crime around every corner That's why six-time naked and afraid legend, extreme survivalist, adventurer, and Army combat vet E.J. Snyder, the number one-ranked survivalist in the world, wants you to be ready and has everything you need at www.ejsnyder.com. All of your needs to be ready for the bad days ahead. From survival training, gear, survival food, videos, and more... That's right. Subscribe with your email at www.ejsnyder.com for blogs, newsletters, and updates so that you are prepared and ready for whatever comes your way. EJ Snyder always has your back. Survive on ejsnyder.com. to the paranormal then you have found the right place night dreams covers the topics you want to hear and gary always has a great guest to take you for a real ride in talk radio so
4: buckle up and let's go for that ride with gary and we are going for that ride right now to take you into the woods. Are you going to see a Bigfoot or a dogman? You know, again, too, I was doing some research earlier today that farmers claim that they have seen dogmen, and they lose a lot of you know their small little animals like you know like uh, chickens and stuff. They seem to be really fond of chickens.
7: Yeah, that's that's right. Um, uh, along the farm grounds. In the farming areas, I've heard tell of, uh, you know, them taking chickens, um, dogs, cats, and sometimes even calves and cows
4: and dogs. I hear too, actually.
7: Yes, definitely. Yep, dogs. Um, even attacked horses. Um, there's pretty good evidence um, down in southeast Ohio, not too well, not too far from the Hawking Hills, where. There was a, a horse taken out by they're not sure what, but it looks to me like it was dog dogman. Judging from the pictures, because the claw marks and stuff, it definitely wasn't cat or bear. Has anybody tried to kill one
4: of these to bring proof that they exist? I mean, a lot of people are against killing a Bigfoot because they are humanoid, but a dogman doesn't really resemble a human, so. I mean, has anybody went out and tried to, you know, hunt one down to bring it back to show that these creatures exist?
7: I'm sure there have been folks that have tried that. But I do know that if you shoot one, you are a marked marked person. They will find you. And they will do everything in their power to take you out. They're very vengeful. If you've, I mean, I've I've listened to thousands of encounters on a couple different radio station or um, you know YouTube stations that I listen to. I get a lot of my info from there to help with, you know, to understand them myself. And that's one of the things that's always said by everybody who's been involved with them and has taken shots at them. They've had to leave, you know, and and, and if you do kill one. The government comes in, it takes it, and it was a bear. And they will wreck your life if you try to push the issue. The government will wreck your life. There's been many, many, you know, many um, stories about that happening with Bigfoot and dogmen.
4: Well, you know, I, I I do believe that happens because even like with giants, when they unearth, you know, the remains, skeleton remains of giants. You know, and some of it has been universities that have done it. And, oh, yeah. And, and guess what? The, the, the government steps in. Guess what? The university doesn't have the bones, and nobody knows where they went.
7: That's right. It, it, the government does it, and the Smithsonian comes in That's, and, and gets yeah. them a lot of times. Yeah. Well, um, they're supported by the government, so I guess they would, wouldn't they? There you go. But the, the thing about the dogmen, I mean, it takes a pretty good size weapon to bring down a dog man. You've got to get a, you know, with a smaller weapon, you have to have a perfect shot. You have to go for the head. They seem to have a pretty thick breastplate. You can, I, I mean, I, I know of a, um, a guy who shot one with a 12 gauge, three inch mag slug, high brass slug, and it took its peck off and it st- still kept coming. Um, they're hard to bring down and they're so fast i mean incredibly fast they're just a blur when they're running
4: well have, have, have you heard where any because you know everybody i ever talked about dogmen they say oh they're they have never attacked humans they they you know they've never been aggressive towards humans but i can't buy that and yeah. if bigfoot have been aggressive towards humans and dog i feel dogmen they're not humans you know, if they if they get in a pack or they're by themselves, and you're there, what's the difference between you being a rabbit, or you know, another meal?
7: Well, well that's it. I mean, the ones if the ones who have gotten attacked by them aren't around to tell us. And, and, but I mean, I will say that they've had plenty of opportunity to take my friend and I out. I mean, hundreds of opportunities, and they haven't. They never, they never did. Um, the, the one time, the, I think the scaredest I've ever been when I was down there, and him and I were arguing, you know, having a pretty heated discussion. Had the window open, we were discussing what he was going to do with his evidence, and we were supposed to be partners and this and that, and he was wanting to go off with another outfit that didn't want me. And I, I don't know, you know, all the details, but. I was getting ready to leave. This was like 1230 at night. I was done. I was, I was ready to leave. I said, look, I'm out of here. I'm done. So I, I got toward the door and he has this monitor with a speaker sitting right close to the door. And all of a sudden I heard the dog man and we both stopped and froze right there. And then we heard the creaking of the steps and the doorknob started to rattle. Okay. So that really got our attention and no sooner than that happened, than the floor raised up right underneath us. One was under the crawl space.
4: <laughs>
7: I'm so scared. So we, we slammed the window down, shut the curtains. I went to one end. He went to the other end with our guns, cocked and loaded, and just sat there and waited. Okay. And then, like, a, I don't know what possessed him to do this, but he got down on his knees, and he went over to the— blinds and pulled the blind up and there was two right outside the window they didn't look at him but they stepped back into the shadows when he did that and he came in sweating and, and, and white and told me about that and then the floor raised up again and it seemed like they were just new right where we were on that floor because it would be right under our feet and this went on till almost daylight And it got to the point where if you've ever been so scared that you just get mad that happened i mean we i had to get home i had grandkids to get on the bus i was already in trouble with the monster that sleeps beside me <laughs> 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 and uh you know i knew i was in for it and i don't have any cell service at his cabin we have to go up on the hill for that so she didn't know what was going on i should have been home a long time ago and So we opened the window back up and just yelled, you know, if you want us, come and get us. And we prepared for battle. And everything fell silent. Nothing. We didn't hear another thing. And we sat there for another half hour until it got daylight. We didn't hear or see anything.
4: Well, they probably were trying to scare you out of the place.
7: Well, my friend, um, Rick Rick, uh, Sanchez, thinks that they may have been there to protect him from me. Because we were having a you know heated discussion, and that might have been what drew him in. Because my buddy he kept saying you know they've never done this before, they've never done this. I said yeah, I know. <laughs> they've jumped on the roof before, but they've never done this particular thing. So the the weirdest part was I left getting ready to leave. I pulled around and covered him while he walked around to his opening for the uh, crawl space that was a door, and he had stuff piled against it. Well, he got around there and that door was shut and the stuff was piled back up against the door. Not the way he had it, excuse me, but it was still piled up against the door. They had the wherewithal to put everything back the way they found it.
4: That tells me that they have intelligence.
7: Yes, they're very intelligent. Excuse me. They're very intelligent. They're very tactical. They do a lot of communication with their ears.
4: Now, have you ever tried, you know, because dogmen, if you go back, you know, it, 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 it. they started not that far back. You know, the reports of them, you know, you're talking maybe the 80s when, you know, people started talking about dogmen. It, could it be something maybe it's different and they cloak themselves as that?
7: I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, actually, I've heard of reports back hundreds of years ago. They talked about them. And they, um, you know, there's the cynocephali, however that's pronounced, cynocephali, I believe, who are the uh, dog-headed men on an island that actually fought alongside the Roman soldiers. And um, And if you look back at the early depictions of St. Christopher, he had a dog head until he was baptized as a Christian. Then they no longer presented him with a dog head. A lot of people say that was to symbolize that he went from a heathen to a civilized Christian.
4: I don't know. This, the, have you ever met anybody that felt threatened from one of these dogmen
7: encounters? Yes, I have. Um, my friend Rick, he's one who's... Um, You know, he's had some hairy encounters because he had them on his property and then he actually moved from Wisconsin down to uh, the land between the lakes is about maybe an hour from him if that, you know, we don't know about the, the big stories from down there. And now he's got him on his property down there. But he's one who goes around if people have trouble where they're being a nuisance, jumping on the roof, breaking windows and stuff. He has learned how to get them away from the house and sometimes even off the property. He hasn't told me his secrets yet. He's sold me some of them, but a lot of it is leaving the right gifts for them. And if they leave you gifts, don't take them into your house because they look at that as a sign of, okay, they're welcome.
4: <laughs> I, I, I would not want to come home. Do You know, that we had a, a story. A man and his wife went out to dinner in a movie. They came home. They live out in the woods, basically. And they they go in their living room. They decided, you know what? We had a great night. Let's make love. So they go into the bedroom, and you know what? There was a bear passed out because the bear got into his refrigerator, by the way, and drank all his beer. And no way! <laughs> it, uh, yeah, really. And he was the bear was passed out in their bed. I I, I,
7: I could see that happening. Yeah,
4: um, bears love beer for, for some reason.
7: Well, I I found out that the the uh, the bigfoots love corn mash. You know the leftovers from the stills. um, I heard tell of them um, getting into. There's um, a fellow we met down at the campgrounds. He was telling us about his cousins down in New Straitsville, Ohio, made moonshine, and they would. uh, This one hollow, they would always bury the uh, the mash when they were done, and. One one time they went down there with the thermal because they saw it dug up and they watched as about five or six big male Bigfoots were digging that up and eating it and hooting and hollering and having a big, big old party down there. Uh You know, so they quit burying the mash down there and they come home one day and found the car pushed up against the house and the tractor on its top. So they figured they better start burying the mash back down there again. They weren't happy. That was their party no, time. Exactly. Um, you know, when we would sit on the deck and watch the dogmen, one one night we actually got to see two Bigfoot come out across the valley. And they we never did figure out what they were doing, what they were looking at. But they were big. You know, I mean, huge. for Even in Bigfoot standards. You know, what's, talking, what's,
4: what, yeah, how much do you think they weighed, and how tall do you think they were?
7: Well, these particular ones, we estimated at least 12 to 14 foot tall, judging from the building and the house that they were close to, you know, the cabin. Um, as far as weight, that would probably put them anywhere at 800 to 1,000 pounds, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're massive. These these two were massive,
4: yeah the one I saw was around eight feet and probably five hundred plus range and to me that was huge
7: <laughs> that's scary enough yes um I know they get bigger that I do know the the bigfoot there's one down there that we're estimating probably about fifteen feet, judging from a photo that he had took on his camera, on his cell phone, he showed me. And this thing was over top of a cabin's roof. And the cabin down there, you know, you're allowed to build around your RV as long as the tongue is exposed to where you can pull it out if you if you need to. That's their stipulation. So this particular one, the RV was sitting on three blocks high, which puts up at about 10 foot. And then the roof was another six foot above that. And this thing was carrying a pig that it had stolen from a a farm down the road. And the guy lost seven of them that were between 350 to 400 pounds. And this thing had it up on his shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you know, when I get down there and look up at that roof and, and just I was in awe of the size of it. Now, where they go, I have no idea. I know that there's like like I was saying before the break, that place down there is like the Skinwalker Ranch. There's all kinds of aerial phenomenon down there. Um, We've seen what appeared to be portals opening up. They're just big, you know, big bright yellowish-white circles. Didn't see anything coming in and out of them, but did see them, and saw the orbs that people talk about what what did the orbs look like the ones we saw it, it was really strange like i said th- this was about one of the first times we went out and started walking around and that's when we heard the night we heard the grassmen bellowing and found tracks in the snow it was like 10 below zero this i was ahead of him we had walked up to the top of the hill and we were coming back down the road and he or no he was ahead of me i'm sorry and um I looked beside this camper, and I saw what looked like about two-inch, maybe three-inch fire red balls going around like bees around a bee's nest. They would disappear in the back of whatever they was flying around and reappear, and there was probably about 20 or 30 of them buzzing around, whatever it was they were buzzing around. I was kind of just glued in on them. I was hypnotized by them, just watching them. And he come up, and he had been yelling at me, and I wasn't even hearing him. I was glued in on these things. And he come up, and grabbed my shoulder, and he said, "Dude, something's about to materialize," because that's kind of what it looked like. Was you know when you watch Star Trek and they get into the transporter and they disappear, you would see the you know the the flickering lights around them. It kind of reminded you of that, like something was going to appear. And we you know booked it out of there, got down around the corner. And we got to the other side of this particular,, it was the front of this particular cabin, and we saw bipedal, round footprints. looked like hooves. They were round, and they were five to six feet strides, straight in a line, bipedal, going around to where that where we saw those orbs. And then that's when we heard the grassmen bellow off in a distance and we started walking faster toward the cabin and then we heard the bellow again closer and we pretty much went on a full sprint to get back to the cabin
4: when they they lock ourselves in it when they scream what do they kind of sound like does it resemble anything
7: the well what we heard was the ohio howl that um the famous one you know i think it was moneymaker that got that one um that's what we was hearing that night. And then in the daytime, we would hear that high pitched sound that at the time we didn't know it was the dog men, but that's the noise that the dog men make. They make that, they make that one weird bark, half bark, half growl thing. They do. They also make a low pitched growl that will just, you know, recorded on a camcorder. It would rumble the um, subs on a stereo, which is unheard of. I mean, I've been recording music for a lot of years and never had that much bass come out on a camcorder. You're really starving for bass on a camcorder, and this thing would rumble. Yeah, it would rumble the subs.
4: Now, because our time is almost up, how about remains? You know, we've never found remains of a Bigfoot out there, you know, in the forest, you know, even parts of it. Because, you know, things don't last long out in the woods. Some people think that Bigfoot, you know, they bury their own. Some people think they eat each other when they're dead. Uh, You know, or, you know, Mother Nature takes care of their bodies. How about dogmen? Has anybody, you know, been out looking for a body of a dogman at all?
7: We actually were trying to find one, and we never did. We found the, the footprints and saw them, but we never... Never found the body, so I don't know exactly what happens there. That's another one of those mysteries. I mean, the Bigfoot, I'm pretty sure they bury their dead because they have territories, and, you know, they are sophisticated enough to where I don't think they want to smell a giant rotting corpse in their territory. Well,
4: they smell bad enough by themselves, let alone have to smell <laughs> yeah. one rotting. I'll tell you
7: that. Well, I think that's, uh, from my understanding, that's actually a defense mechanism that they put out. Have you ever smelled one? I never have. Never smelled that smell on men or Bigfoot.
4: Well, I can tell you what they smell like. Okay? Because I smelled with one when, it, when we got back to the car, 20 feet from the car. And I can tell you, it smells like urine, feces. And if you went and imported the hottest, hottest pepper in the world... And you just put it in and mix it all together. That's what it smells like.
7: Oh, man. You know, my Bigfoot buddy, who's actually been adopted into a clan of Bigfoot, him and I are actually going to go out here real quick, hopefully within the month, to uh, Dogman territory to see how they react because a couple people had saw Dogman pointed him out in his videos that he makes. And he is a wealth of information. It's uh, Stacy Hazlitt. And he has a YouTube channel. And he is just a wealth of information on the Bigfoot. He communicates with them. They've been a part of his life since 1971. They're always in his head. They're always around him. I, I can't explain it. He's been trying to understand what's going on with that phenomenon <clears throat> for all these years. And now more and more information is coming out. There's other people that are experiencing the same thing. And he's starting to, you know, get a grasp on it.
4: Interesting. Our our time is up. And it went by so fast. Now, do you have a website or any way anybody can get a hold of
7: you? Uh, Facebook or anything? I don't have. I do have Facebook. I'm on Facebook. It's under Jack Quinn. Uh, and if anybody really needs to get a hold of me, I, they can email me at jackquinn331 at gmail.
4: Okay, that's jackquinn331 at com.
7: That's it, yep.
4: Well, Jack, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and maybe we can get you on in the near future, and we can finish, like, part, you know, part two.
7: That would be awesome. I really enjoyed your time. Thank you.
4: Okay, Jack. Well, you have a good one.
7: You too. Okay, watch out for the gas
4: prices, okay?
7: Oh, yeah. Take (laughs) care, my friend.
4: Well, James, you know, we got a lot of things going on. What is our guest tomorrow? Or who is our guest tomorrow?
1: Miller. Miller. Now, he's been on before, but he... He's going to talk about some good stuff. Let me
4: tell you. Uh, you name it. Okay, you are breaking up. Boy. Um, okay, so Dr. Miller is going to be on tomorrow. We're going to be talking about maybe survival, a whole bunch of different things. You know, like, boy, I tell you, Dr. Miller, it, it, when you get him on, it, it is you, you exercise for the brain because he is so fast. And the subjects change so fast, but he is so rich when it comes from anything about health, what you can do to you know prolong your life, what you, could you do in case we have a nuclear war uh, about you know polar shifts, all this stuff. so it should be a great show tomorrow with dr. Miller. I've been looking forward to it again every time we have Mon, the listenership just goes crazy high. So did he tell you what he wanted to talk about? Hopefully he will be able to come in on that.
1: Yeah, he did want to touch base uh, with one of his new books about tarot cards and tarot stuff. Uh, that was one of the things he wanted to talk about. Going to be interesting. It is. I, I tell you, look, always look forward to him coming on. Um, he's always a treasure trove of information about, well, like you said, different subject matter. So definitely going to be interesting. Also, there was some other things he he mentioned something about um, some of his uh, yoga yoga tronics. He called it. Uh, so that'll be interesting to hear
4: about that also. Yeah, well, with Doctor Miller, you really don't know what he's going to say. Again, if you would like to be a guest, maybe you had a encounter of a dogman or a Bigfoot, or maybe you've been abducted by ETs, or maybe you had an encounter with something strange like a black-eyed children, and you want to be a guest on the show. Well, it's a couple ways. You can go to our website and click onto that little envelope and tell us about your encounter and then the producer will get back with you and talk to you about it. Or you can contact me directly at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Uh, again, I want to do a big shout out to like Rory, uh, to Nancy, Barb and, and space, uh, case and everybody else that's on chat on YouTube. I really appreciate you guys tuning in as often as you do. And again, stay safe and hopefully hopefully things will start summering down. But, you know, they're saying we're not going to really go into a recession this year. It's the first part of next year. And it's getting scary. It really is. I'm just wondering how people are going to support themselves. You know, I got my credit card bills and I noticed they've gone up a few bucks. And actually my balance was down, but it went up. And that's because they're tacking more interest on it. So people that you know, are working on, you know, near minimum wage. And, you know, I don't know how people are going to survive. Do we need another round of money from the government to prop things up? Or is that going to cause us to go into a deeper recession? You know, you can't print out money like it's been printed out. You can't give it out like it's been given out without us going through what we have. Just think 1958. You could buy a brand new car for 750 bucks. You could get a Ford Galaxy for $750. If you're lucky, you can get two tires for that today and minus the car. Well, till tomorrow, everybody have a good one. We'll catch you on the other side. Stay safe everybody and make sure you give us a thumbs up.